appreciate it's it. It's a little less creepy. Yeah. The sentiment is nice. Well, so now, Tender got into my travel folder. And what? Yeah, because, yeah, bro! <laughs> Kids getting those matches. You know what? I'm proud of you. I am proud of you, bro. Because I'm traveling. I'm traveling. That. And welcome <laughs> to the Down in Front Podcast. How's it going, guys? Woo! Yeah. Yay! <laughs> your dumb voice is just always too loud. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're just blowing out the levels. <laughs> I'm, I'm your host, Warren, this evening, uh, and I'm with a few of my friends, and what we typically do is that we go and review a bunch of movies, TV, we talk about a lot of stuff that we're drinking, and we'll all be bringing it to you for all the Ryan Downs and Derek Sons of the world. Ooh, yeah, up? Thank you so much. Um, with me today, I have a few of my buddies. Uh, I'm here, I'm going to go ahead and start with uh, way across the other side of the room. Brylan, what's up, Brylan? Hey, how's it going? Good. Yourself? I'm doing well. Cool, cool. Uh, what, uh, what are you all sipping on today? What you been watching? Uh, so, what I've been sipping on is decided to get some canned wine mm-hmm. today. And trying out a white today, so different from the usual red. Yeah, I like whites. One from <laughs> a little bit lighter. Uh, this is uh, white wine from the Infinite Monkey Theorem Urban Winery. And that's in Denver, Colorado. I went to their website and it said they don't have any vines that they make it in the streets. So, Oh, really? That sounds yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, awesome. As for street wine, it's not too bad. The first glass is kind of, it, it's not the best in the world, but after a couple glasses, it it's definitely nice and enjoyable. I, uh, I would say our first glass was rather warm. It was warm. And Absolutely. once we chilled it, like typically white wines, and I believe rosé should be, it tastes much better. It does. Yeah. It absolutely is going down a lot smoother. Good. Um, it's not the best wine in the world, but I guess it's fun for a casual yeah. night. I mean, we got, you know, f- four cans that were, it says eight glasses of wine for under 20 bucks. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, it sounds like my Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you been watching? Um, what I've been watching is, I've uh, been watching a lot of movies on Netflix. Um, I watched Ricky Gervais' latest movie, Life on the Road, starring David Brent. His character from the original BBC um, Office, and uh, it is hysterical. So if you love Ricky Gervais' humor, just that very cringy, like he's going to take it to the place that you don't want him to take it, um, it's really hilarious, and it pretty much is chronicling what happens to his character after the Office series goes off the air. Hmm. Uh, and, um, they got some really cool people to help out with it that I don't know about. They're, they're very British characters, but one is, um, his name is Doc Brown. Uh, he's, a Emma? No, he's, <laughs> not, he's actually not, uh, he's not, uh, Christopher Lloyd, but, um, he's actually a rapper in the UK and he decided to try this comedy thing with uh, Ricky Gervais. And he does an awesome job. Yeah. He's probably my favorite character. Nice. All right. The whole thing. And he's a good rapper, too. That's right. So, appreciate it. Uh, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah? Cool. And what was the name of that again? Life on the Road. And where can I find that? You can find it on Netflix. Oh, cool. So I think literally almost everybody should have Netflix by this point. Because I'm actually also watching something from Netflix. But before we get to our main event, me... <laughs> Uh, Jesse, uh, the man, the myth, the lesion. How's it going? Uh, a little under the weather today, but I'm making it through. You look terrible. I do. I do. 
What are you sipping on there? Tell tell everybody about this sort of concoction that you had because it looks good. It looks good. It is good. Uh, I ended up making myself a it's orange juice, seltzer, tarani, uh, peppermint, and orange like mix, and then a little bit of half and half. It tastes like a creamsicle. It's delicious. It's awesome. Now, uh, Arizona iced teas today because I just forgot to grab one. I brought you some. But you didn't get me watermelon. They didn't have water. Go on. What are you, uh, what you, uh, watching? Um, I haven't really watched anything. I've watched, uh, The Arrival, finally. I know we had a thing on that. I thought that was okay. We didn't, we actually didn't. I thought we did. No? Oh, I thought I had to skip that one. We did it as, uh, I think in, like, three what you've been watching. Like, slowly everyone's been watching it. Mm -hmm. Did you watch Charlie Sheen's The Arrival, or... I've seen Charlie Sheen's The Arrival. That was one of the... I have also seen that movie in the legs parts. Oh! (laughs) Creep me the fuck. (laughs) Nice. That's a good, that's a throwback moment. Nice. Yeah. Hi, Bradley. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, and then I also watched Sicario, which was, I watched those back-to-back, because it was the same director. You know? That was a great I movie. I might as well give him a shot. That was a great movie. Um, I have seen, uh, I at least listened to, I can't do it anymore because apparently it's a spoiler, thank you, Derek, uh, but I listened to the Arrival soundtrack, and I absolutely love it. Um, you have not seen the movie, though? I have not. And apparently, according to Derek, that is a spoiler. So I cannot listen to any music scores from movies I haven't seen just yet. It oh, makes yeah. Sense. You know that? Well, I mean, it does make sense. Before, I was just doing it like whatever. But, you know, I can't play, even at work, I can't play the musical score from La La Land because it gives too much of the movie away. Really? But you've seen La La Land. Uh, I know, but other people in my job haven't huh. seen it. And it gives... It, that, bro, if you listen to that score from start to finish, you can know exactly what's going to happen in the movie. It's true. I guess. Yeah. Not really. But yeah, cool. Thanks, Jesse, so much. Yeah. Um, lastly, I have uh, my best friend in the world, whole wide world. Sorry, mom. I have Michael. How's it going, Mike? Wow. I would no pressure. Say that the feelings are mutual because they are. Hey, <laughs> high five. <laughs> um, yeah, I was gonna say that's gonna crush that. So, uh, in terms of like watching, um, been catching up on. Community a little uh, Kind of like My roommates are going through it For the first time Which is insane And so I've been Catching an episode Here and there uh, My main movie Since the last time We did this uh, Ironically enough John Wick 1 Never saw it And I figured Hey might as well Do a little bit of homework Before this be interesting uh, to see what you think after 1 and 2 Back it, to back Yeah it was I it was solid uh, I enjoyed it um, I enjoy these types of movies and uh, I think that the second one was a little bit better, but there was a lot of things that I really liked from the first one. I really liked the fact that they didn't talk about the mythology. It was just accepted. They didn't handhold well, well, you. Well, into the movie in a bit. Right, so no, 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 no. I'm just yeah. saying... So, just saying in John Wick. Yeah, in John Wick 1, they alluded to the fact that there was, like, this uh, underworld without, again, saying anything about the second again, one. Too much but it. they didn't really... They just said, this is the world, accept it, now move on. And I really liked how they did that. Cool. So. Boring. Uh, what are you drinking? I got nothing. I literally don't. I don't even have a glass of water right do you, now. Do you want me to make you a Tarani drink or something? Maybe. That sounds you incredible. Want some wine? It does. What do you want? Uh, we can, I don't know if we can edit this out, but I got like 50 different flavors. All right. I know. And I know. my name is Warren. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, 
I will be your host this evening, of course, and I am sipping on also the same uh, brewery, of, uh, same vineyard of wine that uh, Brian had talked about. Um, the name of that is the Infinite Monkey Imperium. Imperium. No, it's the Infinite Monkey Theorem. Theorem. Yeah, I was like, that, I, I thought you said that, I was like, mm, I think mm, he may have one too many of these. Um, uh, the version that I have is a rosé wine, which is actually quite nice. It's very easy drinking wine. Um, if you like sweet wine, you like to also something that you probably want to do to uh, just like kind of start the night off or a nice way to, um, uh, at least like kind of a pregame wine. Um, this is this one also will uh, work out for you, so hashtag friends with lens. And uh, we're gonna go from there. The uh, would you give it a sip to that or? Oh, I'll, I'll sip to this. Okay. Yeah, it has to be chilled though. That's the one thing. About That's it. one thing. Yeah. yeah, it definitely has to be chilled and not like kind of borderline Horcrux. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is borderline Horcrux, just like Harry. There we go. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been watching. I actually watched the entirety of the People versus OJ in the last two days. I uh, binge watched this entire series on. Um, Netflix, which talks about the entire um, sort of retelling of the O.J. Simpson sort of verdict um, back in 94. Uh, and it was very, very good. I was, for some reason, hesitant to watch it. Probably because uh, at one point, O.J. Simpson was my favorite character, like, was my favorite player ever in this world. <laughs> like, you're going to say character. I was like, you yeah. know he's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, he might not seem real, but he is. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he's available for parole this year. It's his first time ever because he's oh, currently no. in jail for 30 yeah. years. Yeah, but he got it. Yeah, but it, that was, like, they threw the book at him for, like... That's stealing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we, we know. We know. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, it's it's the first year that he's eligible for it. So I mean, I love this guy as um, an actual player, but it's so crazy the stigma that his number even has to the team because nobody can use thirty two in Buffalo and they can't retire it because they honor him. So it's literally a blacklisted number that you just can't do anything with. And it's crazy to think that uh, organization that. Has so much history is doing that, so um, very, very, very well done. Um, I arguably would say everybody should probably watch that show because it does shed a light on a lot of different things and a lot of different scenarios. And I just finished it today, I just finished three episodes today. And uh, one of the last moments I had is uh, I did shed a tear. There was like one beautiful moment that you know the Cochran character and even Bill Clinton was talking about a couple things there. and. Um, it definitely kind of choked me up because it was something that was important to me. Like, and they, they talk a lot about race. They talk a lot about, you know, um, brutality and, like, equality and everything you can think of. Um, and it really encompasses what, you know, it's scary. We, we don't talk politics here, right? Yeah. So, but we all live it. And we all live it. And it's silly to not think that we don't kind of live in the sexual world. But it's crazy to think that the things that they unearth are things that we're actually kind of living right now. So it's um, very interesting. And it's a very, very, very good show. And I would definitely suggest everybody take a look at it. So that's I, I have one there. question for you. Yeah. Uh, so we all grew up when this actually happened and stuff. And mm-hmm. we're kind of at the ages where it's pretty cognizant. Like, hey, this is something kind of huge and crazy going on. Mm-hmm. Would you say that this show, like... Gave you new perspective on some of those events that just how you thought you saw them play out, or well, do you think do you think there was stuff like oh I didn't even know that it even happened? Well, I didn't I know about a lot of the stuff. So they go into like Mark Furman, 
a lot. They go they go in on this dude. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know lo- like the overwhelming sort of evidence that had been like built up to it. Uh, but it's also for this chance that like the director and the writer like they painted a different picture and they got as true as possible. I would say, but a lot of these people, Johnny Cochran passed away and Robert Sh- uh, Robert Shapiro is alive. Sorry, but uh, Robert Kardashian passed away and yeah. um, there's a lot of people that this life sort of affected. So I wonder exactly like who did they consult, who's telling the story, whose point of view, and that's really difficult. I don't really lo- like watching a lot of non-fiction sort of pieces like this because I'm wondering whose point of view they're trying to tell and there was even something at the end they had said that well only one person only one person from all the prosecutors uh, even a bunch of the people that were be like um, actual witnesses only one person didn't come out and um, get a book signing that get like a bunch of money from this book signing and that was the actual judge on the actual um, case (laughs) you know yeah you know so that I think is very interesting to think to see that everybody else came out with a book that was writing for somebody else. They had all these different perspectives. So, whose perspective was this sort of piece of work from? Because it you can clearly tell that it's catered to certain things. Yeah. Um, but if anything, and like like everything, if it gets people to kind of ask you a couple of questions about what's happening right now and you know current affairs and things like that. Uh, I think it tried to uh, like, achieve this message. Yeah. Um, and it's a powerful message that it's trying to do. And how was uh, Kuba as... Uh, you know, uh, if we're talking the acting-wise, didn't like it. Uh, yeah. Didn't make any sense. But here's a, a, another thing about it, and we'll get a little bit into, um, uh, you know, football talk a bit, is that a lot of people truly think that only the few people in this world that they would love to study this brain is that O.J. Simpson had CTE. Hmm. Um, and that's a huge, huge, like, thing that's currently surfacing inside the NFL for a lot of retired or, you know, um, Hall of Fame people and players and, like, people, who, uh, players who already have passed because of it. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting to see that, you know, what, uh, choices Kuba was making at certain uh, like options and I was like well this is weird because he was having some very very strange um, behavior things that he was trying to do and it was a choice right he chose to make that actual choice itself so um, it was interesting yeah cool. yeah. Awesome. I would say anybody better eh, it didn't really matter who it was uh, if I, I, I kind of wish it was somebody that was not recognizable because I was looking at oh this guy who played radio you know uh, I was hoping it would be somebody else even John Travolta looked ghastly in this. It was not good. But the regular guy who he betrayed didn't even look that terrible. So yeah. I, I know that they're trying to get high profile actors for the defense but for the prosecution they didn't get anybody that's known. So that's what that was kind of kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I mean it, it sounds like the standouts are um, was it I forget her name Lauren something for, for Marsha yeah, well, I mean, the stand-up, uh, so you had Nathan, like, on the defense, you had John Travolta, Cuban Gooder, Cuban, Cuba Gooden Jr., and Nathan Lane. Those are three high-profile, like, this, I mean, yeah. and, sorry, David Schwimmer, I'm sorry. So, people know those four names already, they're like, oh, and then on the other side, you have, I do not know, either one of the prosecution's <laughs> names. Yeah. <clears throat> Kind One of, of the odd. ones that they say stand out. Yeah, and it's and it's kind of odd. We we know even I don't even know the uh, name of uh, the actor who played Johnny Cochran, but he's well known. 
Um, so even you can add him to that. We have five high-powered names that's playing for the defense. So clearly you're trying to s- send a message directing and the people who actually did the actual casting, but exactly what are you trying to do? So it's more of a story. I would love to get other, other people's opinions and approach whenever everybody else sees it, um, if anybody else sees it, but I would love to kind of discuss and just talk about that sort of aspect of it. So, hmm. yeah. But I've been watching. But we're here tonight to talk about the second installment of John Wick 2. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. Now, John Wick uh, <laughs> Chapter 2, right? That was the chapter official two. title. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie stars Common, it stars Keanu Reeves, and a bunch of other people that nobody else cares about, it's besides Ruby Rose. Is that <laughs> arguably? Ian McShane. Yeah, Ian McShane was a Ian good Ian McShane. I don't know who that is. Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fishburne? Yeah, that's weird. That's that's where it's... Larry Fishburne? I'm sorry, I grew up in the 80s. I watched Pee-wee's Playhouse. Lawrence Fishburne? <laughs> My goodness. He Lawrence Fishburne. He went as Larry for a while. So. <coughs> did he? Actually, I don't know. <coughs> yeah, he did. Man. He was Larry Fishburne fun. playing Cowboy Curtis. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I got you, bro. Oh. There's, a, there's a bunch of people in this <laughs> movie. Um, directed by Chad Stileswick. Stileswick? Hmm. I can't pronounce that. <laughs> um, yeah, Ian McShane, Ruby Rose, Common, Claudia Girini, Lance Reddick, who I actually love that guy's actor, Lawrence Fishburne, John Leguizamo, uh, Bridget Moynihan, bunch of people that's in this actual movie itself. Uh, coming from a lot of different kind of interesting things. So I would love to kind of open this up with, I'm actually going to start a little bit with uh, Mike, because you just had recently seen John Wick 1, and then you went to John Wick 2. So let's get to like some overall sort of thoughts of like how was that sort of um, process for you? And then we can all open it up and kind of go into some wins and kind of get into like the more meaty um, sections of this actual conversation. Uh, and I would say, is if you haven't seen this movie, we will be spoiling it. Uh, almost immediately. Almost immediately, <laughs> we will be spoiling it. Granted, there's not... I mean... This movie is... Yeah. Yeah, right? I'll talk about it later. Okay, okay, yeah. 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 But, um, so if you, haven't see, if you haven't seen the movie, stop the podcast right now. Go watch it. It's everywhere. It's, it's enjoyable. Uh, and then come back and pick up where we left off. Well, so. maybe not enjoyable. Let's not ruin our final grades. Oh, fair. It's a movie. Um, no, starting <laughs> starting with wins. It's a piece of work. <laughs> oh, that's a, that, that, you jump yeah. you It's a piece of work. It's a you're a piece of work. No, but somebody made this. <laughs> You made this. That was a, that was a nice dad joke. I was trying to get. I know, I know, I know. Damn it. Um, so, in terms of wins for me, um, well, first of all, to remark on that, I thought that they did an interesting do- job changing the tone. The first movie was very individualized. It was a very small, plotted movie where basically they did something bad to his his dog, and then he had revenge on that character. Whereas this one felt like it was more of an ensemble thing because there wasn't like. You know, because he was hired to kill, like, the sister, and, like, it wasn't necessarily personal. It was, it, it was just a movie. So I thought it was an interesting little tonal shift that, that they had. Um, in terms of, like, connecting to the first one, they did the subtitle thing where they, they switched around the, the uh, type and the font and everything, and they added effects and stuff, which honestly was kind of campy. But I felt it was cool-ish in the first movie, but really worked for me in the second movie because they had a deaf character. So, like, literally, like, it wasn't even, like, Russian or anything. It was, like, 
there's no sounds coming out. There's no tone of voice. So the campy, um, like fonts that they use and all the, like the different effects actually made sense because they emphasized what she couldn't say and colorize other words. That right. Right. It really, it brought sign language to life, which was interesting to see and definitely a huge win. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of more to this movie and less kind of like bridging the gap t- between them. Uh, I really like, uh, how they had, I wrote down realistic gunfights. Uh, that's a lie. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's on, un, it's unrealistic, but I did like that. Uh, Keanu Reeves had two hands on a gun. He was in a, a power stand. So we, we play at work. We go and play uh, paintball every Easter, at least myself. And I know Jesse, I think you guys have done it a year. Maybe? No, you haven't. Never mind. Uh, so, so, me, yeah. So we just drink wine. That's, that's very fair. Sip to that. Um, but we, so, like, again, that's the only amount of, like, gun things I've ever done in my life. Um, but you sit there, and you, you're in a crouch the whole time, and you, you have it, you know, aiming down the barrel. And I think that they did a really good job of uh, showing that. And showing that it's not, like, spinning around, you know, like, doing all these crazy one-handed shots that you're not even looking half the time. Going caught up. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't... Well, it's funny, because they do have an element of that where it was, like, a lot of, like, parries and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Another win for me was that I really liked how it was judo-based. And you could say the same thing on the first one. I feel like there was a lot of takedowns and stuff um, that were more practical, rather than the flashy or karate. Like, in most of these movies, you get them doing... They're doing karate or um, taekwondo, and this one was a more brutal, practical judo, which, again, grounds the movie more than, like, doing all the crazy moves. Yeah, it's interesting that you say, like, the gunfights are not realistic. I mean, yeah, you're not going to walk into a museum and see 30 people and start going to town. Right. Um probably won't happen in the near future or anything but like the gun tactics the skills that are used for shooting those are actually pretty legit and hardcore like yeah there's videos of seeing keanu like go to tactical yeah. like ranges and practice constantly i uh, mean i, I would say like things. and even going off of that and i'll, I'll, I'll mention this a little bit later and just the double tap just chest to head chest yeah they did but, that but it that was, was it was something that was interesting that he I, I wonder if he did that before the first movie or not. I think they did, but I think he came back and said, this can be better. Let's, let's... Yeah. Because it was good in the first movie. It was better in this one. Yeah. Bradley, what about your wins? Hang, hang on, one, oh, sorry. Yeah, one yeah, second. Exactly. Two, two oh, things. No, we have a script in front of us. <laughs> Do we? Um, so, two things. One, uh, the... Um, I lived with a kid for three weeks that was ex-military, and so he, he was, like, watching military videos for, you know, I don't know, kicks and giggles, and uh, a couple of things we were watching was uh, these uh, Green Berets leading civilians through room-clearing exercises, and so, like, seeing them come in and, like, really be slow, but when the, the Green Berets do it at the end, they move like John Wick. Like, that, you know, like, like you said, it's very unrealistic to have, a, you know, a cinema with 40 people, um, that you're shooting at you, but those room cleaning exercises moved and shot exactly like John Wick did. I thought that was very well done. Um, a couple, a couple last ones. Um, I thought that the lighting and the coloring were amazing. There was that one scene where he's standing in the museum that like 
the background's all fluorescent and illuminated. There's like a shadow in the middle ground, and then he's kind of peeking. This is the main bad guy. Yeah. He's kind of peeking out through the front foreground, and I thought that was like very, very well done. The layering that they had. Uh, I thought that not only that, but the like the fluorescent lighting, but also the presence of like two rave scenes just brought me back to that early two thousands feel. Like when every you know action movie had one sequence. You know, you had the original Triple X. You had Blade. like Blade. It's just, like it was a total nostalgia. Like me seeing my first gory R movies, where like that everything was at a rave. Um. And then the last thing that I wanted to say, uh, this kind of goes with this. Um, we talked in our last review about like not split didn't really elevate the genre. And while I don't think that John Wick two necessarily elevated this, I do think that that glass house scene was incredible. Yeah. We've seen it before. Uh, I think it was, uh, was it entered the, Dragon. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, I, I almost flipped the two. Um, we've seen it before with Enter the Dragon, but the way that they did it with multiple levels, more mirrors, and then, like, obviously they had CGI where that was all practical, um, was incredible to watch. Yeah. One last win I have oh. from this, because I, I, I almost forgot about it, um, was I really liked, it, you know, talking about lighting and uh, design, I also liked how they shot everything from... Uh, um, a wide angle, not a wide angle lens, but like they, they shot everything zoomed out. So a lot of like a theme in these modern action movies is one, they're all CGI. So you can kind of do whatever then, but if they're real people, you zoom really far in and you, you cut very quickly. So you can't see the, that they're stuntmen and you can't see hits actually going in. And I thought there was a lot of shots specifically action shots in this movie that were the full five seconds. Like there's this rule that generally you're supposed to make a cut at the maximum three to five seconds. Like you just, you move the camera after that. Mm -hmm. And so it's very rare to see something go on for that long. And I think they did a good job of showing that. Like they would show specifically in that opening uh, car chase thing, they'd show full takedowns. Like, from the person punching him to the collection well, to him dumping and then his counter strike. The entire common fight was like that too, where they didn't cut for them falling down the stairs. Right, so yeah, or making mistakes. So right. Like they did like a really close range, like kind of grapple esque kind of fight, and I was like, wow, they're really just gonna keep holding the camera, like like let it go. Yeah, it was it was it was noticeable at some parts. I was in. but it really shows to like I think we remarked on Keanu Reeves. Uh, like, his training for this movie. And, like, it really shows that, like, all right, this guy actually learned how to fight. They all got together as a stunt team and said, yeah, we're going to show you the full action, which just doesn't happen anymore in, in action movies. Check it out. Like, there's there's way more cuts and it's way more zoomed in most of the time. And I have to applaud them for doing that. It really shows skill on everyone's part, you know, whole team. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, now I'm done. No, you're good. <laughs> this is good stuff. This is good stuff because I love like actually hearing other people's sort of opinion yeah. about it um, and how people feel about it. Because you know, going into this movie, arguably it feels like I was the only person that hated John Wick number one. Oh yeah. One. So that's why it's yeah. it's nice to actually kind of get a different perspective on it. Brian, yeah. what you got? Uh, yeah, just to add on to um, what Micah pointed out because I think those are all great key points to bring out. Um, one of my big wins on top of the action would be building out the mythos of the Assassination Guild. So, 
Um, knowing about the two rules, like never, um, you cannot turn down a marker and no business on continental grounds. I mean, mm-hmm. those, I like how simple those rules are, but they also mean a lot depending on where you're at and who you are, uh, at all times, uh, in this world of assassins. Um, I also like that, uh, if they are going to get something done, there's like a nice mishmash of high tech and uh, also retro stuff. So having the operators and they're just like dressed up like your 1950s operators, but they all have like tattoo sleeves down yeah, the side and wearing cool. the same glasses and stuff. I thought was really cool. So like the aesthetic of like what the whole history behind this Assassin's Guild is really cool. I still like the Assassin's Currency bringing that out, having like this, their own hidden currency for everything and just the decorum that every single person brings just that, yeah, you're an assassin, but you're a professional. We're going to keep you treating you professional. And who's the person that embodies that the most is going to be Ian McShane. So Ian McShane's manager character is fantastic. Just like he was in the first one. And I think with the, uh, supporting cast, Common and Ruby Rose definitely add to it as yeah. well. So, uh, especially Common, there's just a wonderful like, just knowing that he's a fellow assassin with John Wick and uh, his character Cassian. Um, just when he first sees John Wick, is like, "Are you working?" Yeah, <laughs> that was just a great moment where he's just like, "I'm afraid so," and just like kind of watching them put the two and two together without having to say anything else to each other was really cool. They had some great moments, like walking through the train station and just doing the silencer shooting at one another. Oh, damn. Did you, did you think, because one and I oh, yeah, with this. Oh, yeah, this is a good point. Did, uh, did you think that they were actually trying to hit each other? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really? I, I, I thought they were just messing with each other, saying, like, I can kill you, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I felt like they actually tried, and you still happened to be hitting other posts. I think yeah. I see where you're going, because they were... Hitting a post because they not, weren't they weren't dodging each other. Yeah, they, they but were they trying, also were not trying to hurt innocent people. Yeah. So they were. Yeah. I mean, they were trying to be discreet, but yeah. also at the same time take each other out. That may have been my favorite scene um, of the movie. That was a. That was I'm fun. so excited to see Common. Quietly, I feel like is a very underrated actor. Yeah. Like I think yeah. he's great, and I don't think I've seen him in a bad role or job. You got something? Of course. Who's in Wolverine Origins? <laughs> Wolverine Origins? Yeah. Who was he in Wolverine Origins? Uh, he was... Oh, what was that character's name? Because he was in um, Suicide Squad. Who was he in Suit? Exactly. Now Exactly. Who was... Oh, you was... Exactly. Uh, yeah, he was, the, yeah. he was the, the boss. No, I thought that was someone else. No. no that was that, common? That was common. And it was terrible. Um, I would say also uh, Ruby Rose... Just as the mute uh, assassin, that was a really cool, um, just like different type of character to have that uh, you wouldn't find in a movie like this. It was good that they took time to like have a character that would communicate differently. Um, I would also say uh, I liked Lawrence Fishburne's character a lot. He's kind of like a whacked out Morpheus from The Matrix. Yeah, yeah, so it was also funny because some of the lines he was saying exactly what Morpheus would say in the Matrix. Yeah, he just like it was just a little. It was just a little bit of twist, and he just twisted it enough for it to be like 
alright, this guy's a lunatic, but I guess he'll help me out type of thing. And, um, and uh, I would say just uh, I love how they set up the ending as well. And they get me excited to see what's coming next. Cool. Because uh, the way they ramped up a lot of the action pieces in this and how they say that basically round three or chapter three, if it gets created, is going to be the world basically versus John Wick. It might get nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, uh, what was that? Jesse's comment immediately after it. Do you remember what you said? Uh, there's always, so we, we both look on Reddit a lot and there's a lot of times where they have, what would you do if X, Y, and Z? And they were like, a common theme is, uh, what would you do if the entire world was trying to get you and you had one hour to get away? Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's like a bad Reddit thread. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. But way more guns. Way more guns. And I like, um, I always, and I always also appreciate that. It's also cool to see in this uh, modern era of movie making that there's still room for uh, action movies where you just turn your brain off and just enjoy what's on there on the screen. And it's not, you don't have to have a deeper meaning to it to actually appreciate it. You just appreciate it for what it is. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. Jesse, what you got? Um, I feel like everything that I was going to say was actually just echoed by Brylin. Um, mad shoutouts to the supporting cast again. Common, common Ruby, Ruby Rose, and I remember sitting in the theater and looking up Ian McShane like immediately after that closing scene and being like, "I want to go home and watch more Ian McShane." Yeah. And honestly, there wasn't. I I remember looking at that list in the theater and being like, "He." Deadwood's the biggest. Yeah, thing. he does little swing buys, but there's no like Ian McShane movie like you can watch like a right. Like a Keanu Reeves movie. Like, there was always, like, he does either little bits or he shows up and walks away. So I was kind of disappointed. But, again, in the role, I I absolutely loved Ian McShane in this. And I think it's one of the best little characters he's done. Yeah. Um, I love the Sommelier scene. Sommelier? What is that? Who is that actor? I don't know. I have no idea, but he was awesome. Yeah, I'll look it up, but keep going. But uh, that whole scene where, you know, the analogies of like, oh, and what would you want for, you know, uh, a dinner wine? And like, (laughs) what did you want? And he's like, oh, for day and night. That whole scene was, I was sitting in the theater being like, this is really clever (laughs) and really, really fun. That was was vintage 90s, early 2000s, like, montage. It was that perfect little bit of corniness (laughs) with the still just, oh, that whole scene, I was like, I'm having fun with this now. Peter Sifinowicz. Yeah, I... What else has he been in there? Uh, he's him. actually been in a, a bunch of stuff. Uh, Guardians, actually, of the Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy, Shaun of the Dead, Star Wars Episode One. Who's he in Guardians? Oh, um, he's the dude that says "What a bunch of a holes." Yep. Is oh yeah, yeah. 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 And um, he's playing the Tick in the new Amazon. Yep. Series. Huh. He's, he's also been Sing. He's 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 in a bunch of stuff. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He was fun again. Doctor I, Who. I, I feel like there's more that I could say, but like, Brylon, you really kind of hit every single bullet point yeah. I, I was going to say about what I liked. Yeah, but like, that Sommelier scene is like awesome, just that having those steps through the Assassin's Guild and like what they go through to get ready for a job and stuff was really cool. And I love that attention to detail. I think one thing that this, the series does really well is the quick, like, not so much montage, but like, 
how fast they can go up the ranks or through the ranks in something where it's like, for example, John Wick has to get to the mega boss. So he sits down on the thing and it, and it has a nice little snippet of him getting covered up by the hobo. Then it's him getting carried through a tunnel. Then it's him getting expressed through like back hallways. And you get these little snippets of the world. And then as he's going through parts of it, and then all of a sudden he's in the presence of Lawrence Fishburne. And then there's other scenes, like even in the first one too, or like with the talking with the the, the phone calls and all that, where it does those little snippets of how the information gets from A to B. And the movies are all about those those little moments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that handholding. They don't handhold you. Yeah, it's like, yep, this is what you keep up with it. Yeah, because it's a mindless action film. So there's not too much to keep up with, anyways. Yeah, I do. I do appreciate that one here. Um, and I guess I, like going into my wins, and I'm, I'm not going to echo, but I do echo a lot what people are saying. Um, the biggest things that I liked about this movie, it truly is just kind of two, and it's one in which you make something a little bit more believable um, and then the second one is when you know at least some kind of the work that you're doing to make fun of yourself so that you know what you're getting into and I felt like this movie at some points there's like hilarious points that we talked about the writing on the screen right and we talked about the fact that they cast Lawrence Fishburne out of all the actors <laughs> to cast they cast Lawrence Fishburne for the person who knows all and I'm mm. like alright that's hilarious. So thank you so much for that, like that, you know, Matrix sort of moment because that's funny. And I'm gonna sit there and, I, and in the theater, I was dying laughing because I did not know he was in this movie. Yeah, me neither. So and I was like, oh, this is so good. Um, so I'm glad that they are actually kind of doing that stuff. And you know, there's other small moments, and I'm glad that Ruby Rose. We had a conversation about this. I'm glad Ruby Rose went and took him, John Wick, on by herself. Now, did she lose terribly? Yes, but she at least held her own for a little bit to know that yeah. she was at least the best assassin sort of bodyguard that, that could, could only kind of keep up with him. And I like the fact that he had like Common, who was like almost his actual equal, and they still like abide by the rules and they kind of understood each other of uh, you know having that the the bit of dialogue that I thought kind of worked was talking about this is a, a courtesy a gentleman's courtesy yeah. that was funny yeah. um, so I, I do enjoy that and I guess one of the biggest things I, I wanted a bit more of it but I am at least so glad I'm so glad there was a moment that John Wick got so injured that he physically couldn't like be uh, um, this person like right. I sat there and I was like bro you just got stabbed and other stuff too but there's no way oh okay like he's physically hurting and he actually this is I think of the first time ever he asked for help um which I thought was cool no he got help through the first one and he knew it too oh you know it yeah cause uh did he ask well, for that or was no it? they said a scene afterwards I don't think he asked for it but it was kind of implied was it the the lady assassin no Willem Dafoe Willem Dafoe yeah cause he kept on sniping people for him and so, it, like, they had that scene where they're meeting where he's like, yeah, I can't keep on saving your butt every time. Well, so, I mean, I like, I like the fact that when you have these, you know, superhuman people actually get messed up, you see that, oh, man, you, you, you're limping. He's limping through this city, and it's like, oh, he's messed up, he's jacked up, that's awesome. Mm. Um, even going off of, like, kind of the opening scene of seeing him get hit by cars and stuff like that, and he actually feeling his actual damage and... Um, I thought that was a very powerful, very uh, more believable. What it looks like, like, hey, this is a hilarious. This is not hilarious. This is like hilarious sort of scenario. But 
these people can still get injured. Mm. Um, I thought that was a powerful moment for the, my wins, so I'm glad for that. Yeah, um, just to add on to what the wins are, there are some, like, there's a couple of thematic uh, tones to the movie and also to John Wick 1 that I think they do really well. And one of those is just, like, that that action movie standard of doing something badass and then having a one-liner. This has one of the best ones when he stabs Common in the chest and just tells him, uh, that's stuck in your aorta, you can get to the hospital and live, or if you pull it out, you're gonna die, and he just walks away, and I thought, that was done. No, 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 no. Call it a, call it a professional courtesy. Yeah, 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 that was... Professional, not gentleman, sorry. And then it, uh, it switches back to comedy, he's kind of laughing to himself, like, yeah, that was sweet. (laughs) That was awesome, and also, like, I, I like the whole thing, like, a lot of people say, like, oh, in John Wick 1, it's all about... A guy getting revenge for his dog being killed, but that dog means something. It's the last gift that his wife, who died of cancer, gave to him. Well, cancer. We don't really know. Or died of some disease. Yeah. uh, Gave to him. So there's a deeper meaning to it. That'd be interesting. And in this one, like, it starts off with him. His whole thing is he wants to get his car back. Why does he want to get his car back? He's got one of the last pictures of him and his wife and a happy moment on the beach together. So I just like that. Yeah, these are very simple ideas, but they do take it another notch down where you're going to like, you know what? I I wouldn't blame him for going apeshit on all these people for this. Well, also, that was a nice loose end that they tied up in that opening scene. That's like, yeah, well, where's the... You never did anything about the car in the first movie. Yeah. And then he came back and... It was, it was a great, like prequel scene like you know those post or uh, pre-credits or pre-opening title mm-hmm. that's exactly what that whole thing was and it was like it was very cool. well, very well done to yeah. connect the two worlds and after getting the car and taking out these people by trashing his car and then even driving back and just going up to the boss to make a point <laughs> that he could it was awesome yeah so I mean we talked about a lot of stuff that we like but I'm interested to see what 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 you hated about this movie what, what, what was some criticism what could have been made a, little bit, a bit better Brother? Uh I would say that I got two major criticisms there were some moments where uh, as I, far as I remember like in the first John Wick I really liked Keanu as this character and like his uh, just like his attitude his and what he brought to the character and in this one, I feel like he's very erratic. There's like some line deliveries that you just very cringeworthy at <sighs> some moments in here. And they they happen mostly in the first half of the movie. And it gets better as it goes along. But there are some moments where I'm like, oh, Keanu, no, you shouldn't have done that. It's <laughs> terrible. Uh, and I would say my other uh, criticism I would have is... Even though I like them taking the time to go deeper into the Assassin's world, um, it does come off a little cheesy. Like at the end where Ian McShane like snaps his finger and everybody turns around and it's like, okay, so half of New York is an assassin. Yeah, right. (laughs) Or some ridiculous thing like this. We've seen that scene before also. Yeah. Like a a bunch of, like in a a lot of different sort of um, areas and even... um, I think the one that I had most recently saw it was... That was a Guy Ritchie movie, but God. Yeah, or it could have been like a Matrix recall type of thing. Oh, so. yeah. 
Oh, I totally got the because yeah. they did that, that in the Matrix. So I was thinking, I was thinking, I was like, I yeah. thought it was in the Matrix too, but I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I would say it does slow down its pacing to tell that deeper story uh, and cuts up the action a little bit as well. Whereas the first one, as soon as he opens opens up his garage um, floor and gets his box out and gets his weapons, it's nonstop action right mm. on through, which I thought was amazing in the first one. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, even for that, like, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, you know, in this movie, his house burned down. And, you know, they burned down this house, that's fine. But why didn't he go back and break that cement and get this stuff again? Yeah. Because there was a bunch of debris on it. Yeah, but he can find, but he can find that necklace... Yeah, yeah. He, he got a spare. Yeah, Mike, <laughs> Mike criticism. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I agree. I think it had a weak plot. It was, it was kind of, it was a little bit more cut up. I, I didn't see. I didn't mind the pacing too much. Um, I could have used more action, you know, because I like my meat red and manly man, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, I don't know. I think this one suffers from. They didn't know that the first one was going to be big, so they just left it. And now that they have plans to do a trilogy or more, they had to set up what the next couple movies are going to be. Hmm. And so I think it struggles from that like typical second movie where it's like, can't tell the whole story, but it has to do just enough to tell enough. So I, I thought it's, it's interesting because you might look back after they do three, four, or five or how many of these they're going to do and look at two is better because you know what happens down the line. But for right now, it is definitely a weak point. Um, one criticism, how do you mess it up? How do you have him kill only two people with the pencil? The, yeah. the whole first movie <laughs> and then into the second movie, they're saying like, yeah, we know it's with three guys with a pencil. How does he only kill two? Like, give me a break. Yeah. Three or more. Easily. Like, give me, like, 19 people eating it. That whole give, montage, give a new story so that people be like, oh, he killed yeah. 10 people. Yeah, yeah, that whole montage should have ended with pencil kills. Like, uh, conveniently. Like, the last one, he should have been like, how do I have a pencil again? <laughs> and, and then he just, like, kills them. <laughs> like, like, that's what that should have been. Uh, and I thought there was an easy one to not mess up. That too. was a great, I mean, that was a great pencil kill. Both of oh, them are yeah. very great pencil Yeah. Pencil. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, I would say, if I didn't say it in my wins, I was like, ooh, you can see the brain matter. <laughs> All right. Um, and I, I thought that, uh, I think Jesse's going to touch on this more, um, but they should have had, I liked how they built her character up, and she was very well acted, but there should have been a tune-up fight with uh, John Wick for Ruby Rose. Yeah. The, like, the, the fact that when they were in the tunnels... She was kind of like laying back, and they never really got into it. Yeah, she was, was sending minions. Right, it was a missed opportunity. They should have had at least a couple moments, and because he had to get out of there, he like got out of there. Which I guess the capstone of that is common, the fight with common. Yeah. But still, like you could have had her, or at least tune it up to give her some sort of credibility. I think Jesse's going to talk more about this, yeah. but I, I agree. Yeah, I, I would say this though. I, I, I'm going to go with Jesse. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to go. I, I, I was going to, but I didn't want to, like, steal your um, I mean, I, Blue, it's already looking at my notes, and, like, that was one thing that kind of irked me, was, like, why would 140-pound Ruby Rose be like, yeah, I'm going to take him on in a knife fight? He just killed, like, and she's aware of, like, the 80 people he just killed. And yeah. she's like, no, I think I can go toe-to-toe with him. 
I would have loved to have seen that character be a little bit more clever. Like, she could have easily been the smart one that, like, fought dirty and, like, now, now instead she's good. Or, she or just show her, kill she, a bunch of people. She didn't even hurt her. Well, he was injured and he had already fought, killed 80 people. I, so he he was not injured at that time. I also was hoping she would make it, it's, I mean, we're spoiling. I wanted to see her make it all the way through so that she could be in the sequel, like Common. Because Common, they are obviously alluding he's coming back. Yeah, right. I, I like, don't know if she's dead or not, though. That was my thought too. Is like they could keep her, but I'm getting the vibe. To be now. fair, I think that, I think that they're going to bring back Common in a big way because he's clearly going to have to get altered, right? Like they're going to have to patch him up in some crazy way, and like I could see them, you know, he just walks around with a knife still in his chest. Yeah, well, but like you know how like the. Uh, I always come back to this movie because Brown hates it, but Crossbones coming back in Civil War, he gets stabbed by Black Widow and just goes, I don't work that way anymore. Like, I could see, I feel like that's what they're going to do with Common, where they're going to have to, you know, make him cybernetic or something, you know. I, I mean, it, we'll get into, I want to talk about a couple criticisms. I do want to add, like, a small section of what do you think for the next movie, um, but before we get into that one. I got one of the Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm getting back to you, Justin. So, like, I think my biggest criticism, too, is... The first one does a really good job of establishing that there's this secret society outside of the real world. And then as that snowballs into this, it made me really pissed off for the real world. Like, the other part of the world that is beyond the secret society. And the best way I can describe it is it's kind of like, you know how in zombie movies, the characters have never heard of a zombie before? Mm -hmm. The civilians in this movie are like they've never heard of assassins before. Mm -hmm. Or that guns don't even exist. Because, I don't know about you, but if I'm riding the subway, and some dude gets on the subway in a suit, and his face is fucked up, and he has one arm in his jacket, I'm getting the fuck off that train, and I'm calling the police. Don't they do that, though? Like... After the fight happens, they all run out of the car. They, they yeah, are, but it stops. So the train stops multiple times. Yeah, people are still still yeah. on the train, yeah. dude. They are. He's literally stabbing people and letting their bodies drop in front of a sub in front of a, a subway yeah, terminal. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, "Where's the security? Like, I want to see him now. Now he's going to have to deal with the real world and the real repercussions and see what happens. And the police never showed up." The, like, nothing, no consequence came of that. And I was like, that's really weird. Did the police like, get called in any... In, in no Well, the fire department shows up when his house burns down, but even they are controlled by the city. Oh, but yeah, I was going to say, the one cop that does show up is just like, hey, John, you working? working? <laughs> yeah. So it, it gets to this point of the ridiculous where it makes me think, like, Okay, like, or even them shutting down at the end of the movie where everybody's working for the syndicate shows up in Central Park. Like, how, how does that work? Do they rope off the, the, the Central Park and be like, sorry, civilians, like, we're shooting a movie. Like, <laughs> it, it gets to the point where it's like, is everyone working for the syndicate? Is, like, what's going on with the civilians? Why is none of this being reported? They, they even have, like, oh, fires and things like that be reported on TV. But then it's like, okay, well... You'd think a gun shootout at like a, a the inauguration of some place yeah. would make front page news, or a shootout on the subway would make like bigger headlines. Like, I granted, don't know. Granted, these are not the most uh, discreet assassins right? on the planet, and that was the other thing. Now it gets <laughs> me to the point where have we? And I I got to rewatch the first one. Have we ever seen the syndicate actually do something like? 
like, say, take over a public or do any... Because it seems like the entire point of the Syndicate is for them to have nothing but infighting amongst members of the Syndicate. Well, it everything. seems like they kind of elaborated where Common was like, oh, this is my... This is my... Uh, ward. Ward. So it seems like they're... They're... Like, the regular world interacts with them to either hire them as bodyguards or to pay for assassinations. But he, he was the bodyguard for someone who is on the council of the syndicate. That was his Right, job. right. But I think they... I, I don't know. It kind of seemed like that... They kind of alluded more. to it because there's that one moment where the manager of the Continental in Rome, he tells S. John Wick, may I ask you one question? Are you here for the Pope? Right. <laughs> and he <laughs> says no. And so he's like, okay... Go cool. About your We're business. Good. I don't know, and that, that might be one of those things that like it will make sense in the third movie because I agree with you. That's a weak. That's it's weak. It's it's. I mean, I'm nitpicking it, but it was something that I was sitting in the movie and I'm just like, where are the? Bull-? It's it's like watching a slasher teenage slasher movie and being like, where are the parents? Like, yeah. same thing where it's like, where, where's the police and all this? Like. They're shooting blindly into a fountain. A civilian's bound to get yeah. hit. Like the first one didn't have on that, here? where it was like most of it was isolated stuff. Right. That you could be like, all right, well, I guess, I guess maybe they could avoid going so over the top with it. Yeah. Like it's it's one thing when it's like, okay, we're a secret society, and they did a really good job with that in the first movie, but now it's kind of getting to somewhat cartoonish levels, and it yeah. made me kind of lean back and be like. Okay, so it's not the real world, it's the John Wick universe. Like, it's, yeah. it clearly doesn't take place in the real world, right. because there would be real world consequences. And that's my nitpicky. That's okay. I mean, I don't have too much, um, I guess the one, the one thing I think, uh, I'm going to actually branch off a little bit of Brylin and what Jesse talked about. Um, I just really want Keanu Reeves to shut the fuck up in this movie. <laughs> Seriously. They use a device in this movie that I thought was very well done, but I think that it needed to be, like, a little bit switched. And I really wanted John Wick to be just a mute character. Um, much, I think Jesse even wrote in his notes, kind of like Mad Max. What, no, he talked too much, even when he didn't talk enough. His (laughs) one-liners, much like Brylin said, were horrendous. So badly, it took me out of the moment. I was like, motherfucker, I was enjoying that until you open your mouth and try to bumble your way through a actual foreign language. That's terrible. Just don't... No. I thought his Russian was pretty solid. No. Just don't do anything. Like, why not be be a silent character and just do silent? To be fair, Keanu Reeves has, what, been big since the mid-90s? Yeah. Dude... You're going to see a Keanu Reeves movie. Like, you know what you're going to get. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, I mean, here's the thing. He can be a mute character. He didn't say that. He, can, have his lines. he can deliver lines solidly. Yeah. Like, the, the, consider it a professional courtesy. Great delivery. Yeah, yes. how, but, but like, half his lines some, were like, okay. No. But he didn't they, talk that they, much. They were so bad in this movie. I would say the worst moment so was bad. when he was talking to Santino in his house at the beginning. And Santino pushes in the marker. He's like, no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was I mean, like the worst. There, there's just so many. That's just, it's my criticism. It's a huge <laughs> one because it's the same criticism that I have from like some of the Matrix. You know why I worked in the Matrix? Because that was kind of the first time. I'm like, all right. It was kind of silly and speed when you said the same line, but all right. Well, I and I can put in point break. And... Exactly. I can get it. I can get it. Now you're doing the same thing. I was like, listen, man. It's been how many fucking years? You don't know how to... Yeah, I think it's just... 
I can't hold that against them because it's been twenty years of like that where you're like, all right, well that's that's just how, what I'm getting. That's how it is. I think it's a choice, and I wonder who made the choice, whether it's the director, the actual writer, or Keanu who made that actual choice to try to actually hit that cheesy line, one liner that didn't work at all. And so, like that's I guess that's one funny. of the biggest kind of criticism I have of it, his line, his delivery was so distracting and it took me out of the movie one too many times to the point where I'm like, man, this is really hard to try to... I didn't like the first movie. I'm trying to like this movie and now you you are actively doing things that is not very good. Mm. And there's other actors and there's other people in this movie that are, that they have delivery, fine delivery. Common, all common lines are fine. Sure. Ruby Rose, who was doing sign language. That was, that was awesome. Cool. That's, I mean, that... that we don't know exactly what you were saying, quote unquote, right? But at least you were putting the stuff on, you put the subtitles, and that was still was a effective. very effective way to do it. Yeah. But the only person who had the worst delivery was the main person who was in ninety over ninety percent of the movie. That's a choice that they made to know that well, he's going to be shitty, but you know, hopefully, people think it's funny. No, it's not funny, and I didn't like it at all. Well, I mean, yeah, I, it's just. You hire Keanu Reeves because you know what you're getting out of Keanu Reeves. Yeah, but you don't have to talk. He, that, he didn't. Why half, his, did? half his lines were like not even. They were like. But one why not do a Mad Max with Tom Hardy? Because I think that's people do like that. I think that's like an artistic choice too. Because Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy is. He's a great monster. <laughs> yeah, right. right, right. yeah. We have one actor who's not very good at delivering lines, and we have a, another actor who's great at doing. No, 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 no. I wouldn't say that he's terrible at delivering lines. Keanu Reeves has a style. Like, he makes a choice in that style. Exactly. He he does so so Tom Hardy has more range. But how can you say if Keanu Reeves has a style this is only one thing that he uses out of all his No, movies? but that's a, that's a thing. Like you don't see like Louis Armstrong playing heavy metal. You know? Like when you listen to a Louis Armstrong record, you know what you're going to get. Like you're going to get yeah, it's it's like that. But um, so if you have someone who does something well and is clearly he Keanu Reeves has made a boatload of money doing that that type of character, and so clearly he gets hired to play that character. Now some people make artistic films like Tom Hardy did, you know, and people make the choice to go do an like Daniel Day Lewis plays a different character in every single role, you know. Um, I think with someone like Keanu Reeves, that's it. Like, Chris Chris Farley. Chris Farley played the same character in every single movie he did. He was just this bumbling, fat idiot. And it was awesome. He made everyone laugh, and he got hired for the next movie to do the same thing. Yeah, but that's... But, so I mean, you even, just don't like even, Keanu but, Reeves. You know, but, but even for that, like, the, people wanted... People wanted more from Chris Farley. Yes, the things that he did was funny. Correct. Right. But I want to know more than what, just that. Key example, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell did all that same shit this entire time. Yeah. And then he branched out and did other things that made it more interesting to actually watch him. Right. So, and I mean, I mean but, but that, we, don't, we don't know if... I, I, I can't say that I've seen all of Keanu Reeves' movies. Like, so I, I don't know if he's done that movie. It, I've, I didn't see Stranger Than Fiction. I have seen a lot of his movies, and they're all the same. You should... Yeah. Keanu's like done a little bit of difference. Tell me two movies that's different than the right, one delivery. Up the list Please now. feel free. I can still chat. Yeah. I want. I want to know exactly two movies because 
It's, well, I mean, it's all the same. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, Bill and Ted's volume yeah, one, Bill and two. Ted, Bill, and Bill, Bill and Ted's volume, it's the same thing. No, it's a comedy. No, it's comedy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, his deli- not the movie itself. His delivery on his lines and how he's actually doing Oh, you're what? talking his delivery. But okay. what? Watch, that's the only thing that I'm talking yeah. about the entire time. No, you're saying different styles, so I thought you were just saying different types no, of movies. What was that um, football coach movie he did? Oh, The Replacements? The Replacements. The same thing? <laughs> he is the main person doing bad lines? So, here's my thing. Feel free to look it up and we can argue all this. I'm just talking about like my criticism of it. Is that I need to have a better range. And this is the movie that... I was hoping it would be a bit different. It wasn't, and it really took me out of the movie when you have a great action sequence, and it's really cool. You can see all the physical action and the physical practice that they put into this actual scene, and then he fucks it up with a shitty line that he delivered that could have easily been avoided, or just don't say anything at all. I think, I don't think he, I don't think he, see, I would, I would argue the other part, that Keanu Reeves has proven to be marketable doing that delivery yeah. in action movies. I would agree. So I think you just don't like that. And what action movie are you talking about besides Speed, Matrix? Point Break. Or Point Break. Point Break. I that, mean... That, that's... So that's what I'm saying. What action movie exactly are you talking about besides those three? Which is... Well, but the Matrix... The Matrix was a trilogy. Constantine. Yeah, Constantine. Constantine that like, made it... That a, was... He shouldn't have never been Constantine. Okay. Like, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> uh, I was like, listen, you you guys are... I, obviously, you're proving my point a little bit more, but... No, funny. but he makes... He makes money, and there's now it's two John Wick movies, and there's gonna be a third John Wick, you know? Like, I, I'd still say that he's... He's had a profitable movie, what, every three years? Yeah. Four years? I'm not arguing about the profitability of his movies. But that's that's all that matters. Is it, though? Yeah. Because why do we go and watch movies? Because the movies make money? Or do we go to watch movies? No, we watch movies because we like it. Studios make money because it makes them move. They make the movies because they make money. Exactly. Kubo was an artistic film and it made $4. You know, like, like I love that movie was my favorite movie of the year last year. But, like, let's be honest, that, like, that's a rare breed. (laughs) You know? And I think that Keanu Reeves playing the stoic, whoa. That makes money. It's true. You know? I mean, like, it's one of the things in which I, I definitely have to disagree, but it, it does. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll agree with you. I can see that there's... I, I, I guess the, I guess the biggest thing what I'm looking at is that there's... I guess we you actually already kind of mentioned it and looking at the bigger picture of... There's pieces of work that's out here. Pieces of... Um, yeah, so there's like actual movies, TV shows, and things like that are that are way more effective in doing that entire way. The but depending on who you cast in it, other people's gonna watch one movie and say that they oh it made a bunch of money, but they won't watch another movie like you know uh, like like Kubo um, or like Sing Street or something like that. If something that's more impactful on the actual world, yeah. So I guess that that's a bit of the thing that kind of bugs me of it. Even if talking about this actual movie itself, it just bugs me to the fact that I was like, man, how how is this getting all this money? I actually don't know how much money this made. This a lot. Made. It's, yeah. uh, it's so, made over $150 million. Did it really? Uh, it opened Already? double the amount of John Wick 1. So... Well, John Wick 1 didn't make a ton of... I like this movie more John than John Wick 1. John Wick 1 made almost $100 million worldwide. Yeah. I like this movie. I, I hated John Wick 1. I thought this movie million. was better. Uh, but at the same time, it's just one of those things in which, knowing that, 
I I don't know if I'm going to watch this next movie. One piece of trivia, I mean, about... Like, you bring up a good criticism about the Keanu and, like, the line delivery. I think it's erratic. I don't think it's constantly bad. Um, But to go to the big picture about, like, these movies being successful because of the Keanu-ness of them... Um, I mean, when he made the Matrix trilogy, he made about half a billion dollars himself off of those movies. Like, he banked that. And a lot of these movies you see, like 47 Ronin and John Wick 1, he's bankrolling those. Yeah, he's bankrolling. These are his pet projects. These are things that Keanu wants to do and Keanu wants to make, so... um, more power to Keanu, you say? I, I I would say so. Yeah, just a little piece of trivia. So, as we're winding down, what do you think is going to happen next? Um, I know. Realistically, it probably takes more than an hour to get out of Central Park. <laughs> yeah, especially running I'm like bitch. Oh, wait, hold on. And he doesn't have a gun. He just has a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think if the next movie is a nice tight 90 minutes of non-stop crazy ass action so you've already explained the assassins uh, to us we know what they're about this is John Wick versus this whole organization either have him go to town and have a final showdown with Ian McShane you think he's going to showdown I feel like Ian McShane's going to do one of those I'm going to help you out and then die or it's going to be one of these things like we see um, they pull back the veil on who exactly is the high table. And mm. the high table is a cast of very unique um, character cameos, which would be pretty cool. Hmm. Pretty cool. I didn't even think about that, but I really, really like that, that he's going to have to duke it out with uh, McShane's character. Yeah. Because he seems to be pulling all the strings, yeah, at least from what we've seen. I mean, that'd be anyways. a badass. That'd be a badass. Yeah. Scene. Even though he's just called the manager and he's like the manager of the Continental in New York, right? I got yeah. a feeling that he's pulling some strings. Unless John is trying to just delete the entire system. Yeah, because who could el- who else could make someone excommunicado if they're not the head honcho of everything? True. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm really hoping that uh, John Wick and Common pair up with it and uh, work together. That would be cool. Uh, I'll be really excited about that. Although, in this movie, I was really hoping that Common was going to kill that dog. But, oh, that's okay. Well, the only reason why, not because I'm fucking <laughs> that dog dead. <laughs> no, the only reason why is because Common had said he killed my war and it's going to be an eye for an eye. Yeah. Not that he's going to kill John he's Wick, still might, he's going to kill... He still might do it. I was really hoping that we don't see the dog dies on film, like, but he just, you know, kind of, you never know. Dude, um, you know, you know what I just thought? The, uh, not the manager, the front door guy. Oh, I love they, that. They, yeah. like, he's what if, awesome. What if he's like, uh, <coughs> I feel like he's going to pay off to be something. I hope so. Just because he says like four words, but he's just so like, he's, you know, a, he's a good, I mean, he's a good character. He, there's a lot of room for, like, things that can actually happen. But, right. Uh, yeah, they left a lot of doors any, open. Anything else before we go into grades? So, what you got, Brylin? Uh, I'm going to give it a B+. Plus. Uh, this movie, 
Uh, reminds me that the homeless got my back <laughs> when I'm out there. So that's really cool. But uh, fun action movie. It's great to have something like this around in a more... Uh, in this temperate of films that are being made right now where they're trying to please everybody. Hey, give me a silly action movie any day of the week. I'll enjoy it. I'll love it. And I like the universe that this movie series has built up. So I can't wait to see the next one. Cool. Mike? Yeah, I'm going with a B plus as well. It's it's short. It's to the point. What is it? Under two hours, I think. Or right around there. It's like... It's about two hours. Yeah, it's just... That's all they need to say. Get in, get out, get get it done with. Uh, it was nice to turn off my brain for two hours and just like watch stupid nonsense happen. They had some. It had some things. Uh, I think the plot holes, or not plot holes, but like kind of meandering plot is the big one that I can't rate it as an actual like. This is a must see movie, but it's fun. Yeah, this movie is over two hours. Really? Yeah, two hours and two minutes. Did you feel it? Yeah. Plus, with the actual trailers, it's even longer. Oh yeah. Um, I have to rate this mm, probably a C, um, which means that I give John Wick number one an F. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I fucking hated that first movie. Um, I, I, I would say I rate the C, maybe a little bit higher, but not right now, just because I am a little bit upset over some of the choices that they chose to make without actually fixing them. They could have easily fixed it with a couple other things. Um, line delivery... We, we, we talked about Mind Liver, we talked about, you know, Ruby Rose, we talked about, you know, just giving, more, like, smart characters, like, all this stuff, I mean, interesting that I'm kind of talking about for right now, they could have, they, they could have fixed that, they could have added that stuff in, and shortened the movie while they had it, uh, but at least it gets a good grade, it's a passing grade, because I thought it was very funny that they had some, you know, uh, Matrix tropes that was in here. Yeah, that was cool. Um, so yeah, that's my, uh, grade of the C. Jesse? I'd give it a C plus. Like, I I wanted something more action heavy, like say the first one, or I, I'd written my notes and I was saving for closing. I wanted to see something that was like Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, okay, we're just gonna like roller coaster ride you where you're gonna wait you're gonna start and it's gonna be nonstop action from the moment it drops to the moment it ends. And when it stops, it drags real slow. And then when it goes for the action, like, it feels tacked on. And, and so I'd, I, I like the first one considerably more. So I would give this one, yeah, still C+. Plus. C+. Plus. Any lasting thoughts? Good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we want to say thank you so much for coming out and hanging out with us again. Of our official review, the Donna Fun Podcast review of John Wick. Chapter 2, starring a bunch of people that we already had talked about, because I can't really name everybody else. Um, we have a bunch of stuff, and we're always out there. We're trying to post and get more um, popular as well. So we have a Patreon, which is awesome. Patreon.com slash down in front. Go and kind of support us. Subscribe. We're actually getting so that we can uh, make a Tinder profile and hang out with Jesse. And also dye one of our other uh, co-hosts' hair uh, pitch black, so that's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, we have questions on a new review, so we have an email. Email us, downinfrontpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter, that's at underscore D-I-F-P, at underscore downinfrontpodcast. We're on Facebook also, um, so facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast. 
Uh, we're on Reddit. We, we do a couple things here. We're also on Stitcher. Uh, well, the Reddit is downinfront.reddit.com. Stitcher for everybody who doesn't necessarily have um, an iPhone or anything at all like that. They can still actually get our content. Or just kind of finding it online, just kind of Googling us, which I thought was actually really weird that we are, I think, one of the top five or something like that. Um, we'll just Google just down in front podcast. It's kind of weird. But I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. But uh, Brylon, where can I find more of your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brylon, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. I also started an Instagram. Yeah, you did. It's called I Am Bryland. <laughs> Somebody uh, had Bryland already? Yeah, it, huh. it's... A very uncommon. I, I, I need to. I need to text this person to have them relinquish, <laughs> relinquish control of my namesake. Um, but um, the celebration continues. Hashtag demolition man. Hashtag this is a rat burger question mark. Uh, that's what we're going with the demolition man theme this week on social media. Correct. This week. <laughs> this week. Yeah. Even. You've been pushing that demolition man a, a lot. No, but that's that. what the avatar is. This oh, week. okay. <laughs> So, it cool. continues, 2017, Return of Demolition Man. That's hey, happening. Yeah. Jesse, where can we find more of your work? Uh, good luck. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mike, we're Tinder. Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Jesse, good luck at Tinder.com. Uh, Mike, where can we find more of your work? Uh, you can find my work at Mayanese Music on most major platforms. Check us out. Give us money. I'm going to leave it with that. Sure. Give me money. Okay. Y'all have an Instagram, too. We do. I mean, post on it sometimes. Uh, we have. It's funny. We have more. I accidentally linked up my Instagram, the band's Instagram, to my personal Facebook. So <laughs> I now got random people that just like, oh, this person's on Instagram. I'll click on it. They have no, we have more people that follow the band Instagram because I think they went through me as a person than <laughs> followers yeah. of the band on Facebook. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, life happens. There you go. Same company. And I talk about a lot of wine. We post a lot of wine, food pairings, and stuff like that. We're on Twitter, and we're also on Instagram. Um, that is at Friends with Blends. Uh, so feel free to go and find us, go follow us, and we do hashtag sip to that. We're also published in, in, in Minnesota blog, wine article that talks about why we enjoy blends, because we're a bunch of friends with blends. So I would say uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and uh, have a good night. And uh, we love you all. And see you soon. Bye. 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 Uh, get out of here. Could you stop that? <laughs>